So, good morning. We're going to continue our journey through the book of Jeremiah. And today, when we look at chapter 11, it begins with a murder conspiracy. So, Jeremiah's message of repentance and returning to God and his ways or face pain, suffering, death, and destruction has not been well received. Jeremiah 11.18 says, Because the Lord revealed their plot to me, I knew it. For at that time, he showed me what they were doing. And you can think about this. It's his hometown that has organized this conspiracy, this plot, to eliminate his message. And they either want to use the fear to shut him up or physical violence to shut him up. But they have a plan. But God has revealed that plan. But when we think about fear, fear can be a very powerful emotion. And it can, and it should be, uh, recognized. Because many times it's a healthy thing. It warns us to avoid danger. It can even keep us alive. But it also can cause us to prevent doing things that we're supposed to do. And fear can become obsessive as well. And it can even paralyze us from doing what we need to do. Nikki Gumbel, in his devotional for 2023, talks about that obsessive fear this way. It's when I catastrophize and overestimating the danger and underestimate my ability to cope, that fear becomes paralyzing. And he then lists some of the common phobias, like heights, fear of flying, snakes, spiders, rats, mice. And if we haven't uh, come across yours, uh, you can share that sometime. Sometimes it's just fear of the unexpected, fear of the unknown. That's why when you hide around a corner and want to have a prank on someone and jump out suddenly, you can get a variety of interesting reactions from that. Some people are just afraid of aging, loneliness, rejection. And one very common one is public speaking. And since our social media has become so prevalent, there's another fear called FOMO, fear of missing out of just not being considered special, not getting those likes that you expected, or not getting as many responses as you expected to whatever you're posting. And if we go back to psychology, just basic psychology, fear gives those three responses of fight, flight, or freeze. So in the beginning of Jeremiah's call, God, of course, realized that fear was going to be used against him. And so going back as Robert pointed out last week, he was probably as young as 12 or 13 when he got this call. And at first he was protesting that he was too young. And God basically said, well, you know, just go where I go, go where I tell you to go and say what I tell you to say. And then in Jeremiah 1.8, he tells him, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you. And that's one of the things that we have to keep in mind if we're going to face our fear. Nikki Gumball puts it this way. If we fear God, you need not fear anything or anyone else. And this is what Jeremiah is, is coming to learn and appreciate. So when you look at that fear, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this really is the culture that Jeremiah is facing. They do not want to have knowledge. They don't want to do anything differently. And they despise being warned of the discipline that's coming. A fear of the Lord as a theme, appears over 21 times in the Proverbs, at least according to Nikki Gumbel. I haven't counted it myself. And it doesn't mean that we're afraid of God as we might be of snakes, spiders, or whatever else. This is how he defines it. It's an understanding of who God is in relation to us 
It means a respect, a reverence, an awe, an honor, an adoration, and a worship. It could even be translated as love for God, and it leads to a healthy respect of God, and is the antidote to all other fears and phobias that we experience in life. That's quite a statement, to say that fear of the Lord is an antidote to all the other fears that we're going to face in life. And as we continue with Jeremiah in chapter 13, it talks about this strange situation with a linen belt. And he's told to buy a linen belt, which of course is a fairly fragile piece of cloth, and then he's told to go bury it in the wherever. And obviously if you bury it, it's going to get wet, it's going to get moldy, and it's going to rot. Everybody knows that. And then he's told to go get it. And when he gets it, it's done exactly that. It's deteriorated. It's useless. And then God tells him that he did this. And one of the commentators I looked at talked about this linen belt is wrapped very tightly around you. And it's kind of a, could be a metaphor for the, that intimacy with God. And we certainly know that in chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, he says that he's bound Israel and Judah to him. He wanted to have that intimate relationship with his people. And he wanted that them to be his people for God, for his glory, for his praise, and for his honor. But they would not listen. And so the belt represented them, their rotted and uselessness going their own ways. Because we are blessed to be a blessing. That goes all the way back to Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3, where Abraham receives his calling. And he's told that he is going to bless all the nations of the world. And of course, part of that is a prophecy of Jesus but also it's a prophecy and an explanation of learning to live God's ways and how that is a blessing to the people that are going to see and be drawn to that. And going back to chapter 12, we see there's a complaint that Jeremiah is lodging. And it's a complaint that's very common for us to think about today. Why do the wicked prosper? They just go through the motions, they do their temple worship, but their hearts are far from God. Where's the punishment? Where's the day of judgment? But God says we need to have compassion. We need to learn to follow God's ways. Again, Nikki Gumbel points out that fear the Lord, and you need not fear anything or anyone else. We don't have to fear the wickedness that's in our world that seems to be impossible to change. But we also have to remember it's a choice. The fear of the Lord is a choice that we have to make. And if we're wise, we'll choose to fear the Lord and listen to him. Again, Nikki Gumbel points out, it's no coincidence that as the fear of God has decreased in our society, all other fears have increased. And psychologists have pointed out that, even in our Western culture, how anxiety now has skyrocketed as one of those mental disorders that is really plaguing people. But fear of the Lord is the antidote. And then we turn to Matthew chapter 10, because as I was preparing this, I came across Matthew chapter 10, and discovered there's many parallels there to what is happening to Jeremiah. So if you look at Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Jeremiah was, of course, sent out to proclaim God's message to draw people back. And he was, they were told that they should demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is here by healing the sick, raising the dead, curing leprosy, casting out demons, doing all these things. And then what did he tell them? Expect opposition. The government, the religious leaders, even members of your own family are going to be there to oppose you. Even expect to be hated. 
And obviously that happened to Jeremiah because his own hometown was plotting to murder him so they could silence his message. And Jesus in chapter 10 of Matthew three different times tells them not to be afraid. In fact, uh, according to Nicky Gumbel, don't be in a, not being afraid is one of the frequent commands that we receive in the Bible, which is logical because our natural response to fear is either fight, flight, or freeze. And sometimes that's not the response that God wants us to have. My dad used to say that if a rabbit gets cornered, he'll even fight a bulldog. So that's not what we're talking about. That type of fear where we're desperate, we're feeling trapped. We're talking about the fear, a healthy fear, and responding accordingly because of the fear of the Lord. I've always had a healthy fear of natural gas. And when we moved into our first home that we purchased, it was definitely a fixer-upper. And one of the things I had to do is replace all the gas lines, which I didn't want to do because I'm afraid of gas. We didn't have much money. My wife, who believes in me, said, oh, you can do this. So I ended up re-plumbing all the gas lines in the house. Got it all ready to run, and I couldn't get the furnace to light. And so I called my dad. He said, well, you probably need to bleed the line, which I hadn't thought of. So I put a valve on the gas line so I could pour the gas out and still couldn't get the furnace to light. Finally, with frustration, one of the matches landed on the floor and everything just went up in flames in an instant. Fortunately, there's a little wall there and my flight response worked very well and I jumped behind this wall and as quick as the flames were there, they were out. So I had plenty of gas and was able to finally get the furnace lit. But fearing of the Lord isn't just talking about experiences and things in our lives that maybe we need to be afraid of. It's realizing that who he is and who we are in relation to him. And that's when, when we fear the Lord, we need not fear anything or anyone else. And the fear is going to be reasonable. Again, in Matthew 10, 22, Jesus tells him, he's sending him out like sheep among wolves. If you have a fight between a sheep and a wolf, I'm going to bet on the wolf. But he's telling them they're the sheep and they're going out amongst wolves. But still, carry the message. Down in verse 28 of Matthew 10. Don't fear those who can just kill the body, but not harm the soul. So there's danger. But look at that. That danger as a platform for preaching the good news, Jesus tells them. Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the words. And don't worry. If you fear God, you know, his love is there. Not a sparrow falls to the ground without him knowing it. Our very, the hairs of our head are numbered. So fearing the Lord is not as easy as it seems because of our experiences. And the song, The Voice of Truth, I think captures that. Again, I'm not going to sing it, but I'm just going to read a portion of it. It says, oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith to take to climb out of this boat. I'm in onto the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone to the realm of the unknown. And then it goes on to talk about how they're mocked. The waves keep telling me time and time again, boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. But the voice of truth, that's the voice of Jesus, tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen to the voice of truth. So it's okay for us to recognize the danger and take appropriate responses to that. But our intimacy with the Lord, we have to recognize that is the true way to not fear anything or anyone else. Christ, in relation to our 
life, having a healthy respect and awe of God as an antidote to all the other fears in the world. Then we can truly pray. Fear the Lord, and you need not fear anything else. You join me in prayer. Lord, help us to choose to fear you and not to live a, and to live a life in reverence and awe of your power and majesty and holiness. Help us to live a life of fearing you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>